You are listening to Seniors Junction podcast. We are preventing seniors isolation, one conversation at a time. Your host today, Namrata Bagaria, and myself, Paul Merkley, co-founders of Seniors Junction. Our special guest today, Bill Dye, CEO of Care Story and the Cold Shoot. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thank you, Paul. Please tell us about yourself and about Care Story. Go, go ahead, Bill. <laughs> Me? Oh, okay. I sound like all Sure. So, well, first, we'd like to start off by saying thank you to both of you for such an admirable project. And we, we think what you're doing is so important and so inspirational. We're happy to be part of it. So, so Care Story was born after a team of people found each other with similar experiences of loved ones in nursing homes. So Care Story is like a Facebook for seniors. It's a digital platform that tells the story of each resident and makes sure everyone assisting the resident is collaborating like frictionlessly to deliver personalized care. So our mission is aimed at providing caregivers with more support and to connect residents with and families 24 seven and defragment communications and reinstill empathy of all involved. Yes. Yes, and uh, I'm Nicole, I'm uh, from the sales aspect of this, of our, uh, of our project. And, you know, Care Story for me is really important because I've had a lot of loved ones who are in homes and, you know, continue to be there. And, and I remember, um, you know, with, with one of my aunts who were there, she had a little basket full of notes and letters that we could leave her so that she could read in between um, visits. <clears throat> and, and this is so important for me because yes, we can visit as much as visit call as much as we want, but what about in between those visits? You know, how do we, if I, if I, you know, come across a song or a memory that I would like to share and, you know, maybe it's midnight, how do I, you know, let her know that I'm thinking about her in that moment? So it's really been a pleasure um, to be invited, you know, to this platform. Thank you, Bill. And I've just had the greatest time, um, you know, learning about long-term care industry, you know, head on by contacting everyone who's in there on the floor every single day and how we might be able to help a little bit if, if we can. That's wonderful. And, and Bill, uh, before I ask you the next question, uh, I'm actually myself curious, what is your background and how did you stumble upon this idea? Like, I'm curious myself. Uh, I have an interesting background, I would say. I, I actually, I was in Toronto all the time. I had a computer engineering degree here from U of T. And then I was in programming quite a bit, so development in the actually online gaming uh, industry. And I got my MBA from U of T Rotman as well. Then I actually went into become a project manager. And my clients was actually became like, I was in the pharmaceutical industry and managing like uh, Fortune 500 pharma companies like Johnson Johnson Pfizer. I was doing a lot of digital project for them. And then not until later I met Phil Black, Phil Black, who is actually an older gentleman who's in the health, who is well connected who has a lot of connection in the long-term care uh, community. I'm not sure if you heard of Bay Press, like uh, Bay Press Health Science. 
he has uh, Ashton Fazer and all there. He knows a lot of people there. And Ashton was um, uh, have a conversation with the staff. Uh, there, they're talking about the senior profiling and they're talking about caregiver training or stuff. Then they said they, they're missing a tool to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, that seems like a very interesting project. So I actually turned around a prototype in a week. So I, I gave a QR code scanning, uh, very simple app and website to them. They'll be like, wow, this is something we're looking for. This is something really amazing. That's how we started a care story uh, as, a, as a prototype. Then we started pilot at Baycrest and we started commercialization last uh, October. That's how we actually started the whole, 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 whole story. But it's more like empathy because I, I, I met Philip. We had a lot of conversation, but I really cared how much he, he put into care of his father-in-law at Baycrest. I really enjoyed the story. So basically everything, really, I, w- I would say the empathy really, really sparked this, this, this project. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. And uh, we had chatted before, um, a few days ago before we I booked this uh, podcast and I appreciate what you do because towards the end of my father's life he was isolated for two months in a transplant unit and the only way I could meet him was through a screen call and he was given a notebook where he would write what he wanted to because he could still write he couldn't speak or you know so he uh, and there were times where he was losing his um, motivation so I would meet his uh, healthcare providers and tell him tell them about him so that they can relate to him like who is he what did he do because for them it was patient number so and so you know in this unit so and so with this disease so and so um so definitely what you do uh, for me it resonates a lot because i was lucky enough to be a physician in india and i had those uh, ability to communicate with the doctors in a way that I could, but not everybody has that. So I think what you're doing is not just something in Canada. It's a global level uh, game changer in a way of quality of care. And personally being trained a physician, I would love a product like this because, you know, while I want to really sit and chat and get to know people, if I wear the physician hat, but there's so much shortage of uh, doctors, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. No. And Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I just feel a lot of uh, goodwill for what you do because I've been through that and I know what it is like losing your parent uh, and especially in the last days to that kind of, it's very traumatic. And, you know, the ones who are left behind, they have memories of those days. Like I still remember scenes from that video call and I just wish, you know, there was something more that we could have to have made it a little better or for us so that we could have communicated a little more. We just had like 15, 20 minutes and you're saying everything you want to say in that 20 minutes, right? Um, So it's different. Uh, So coming to that, isolation is something in long-term care, in terminal illness, that is obviously very obvious. (laughs) That's a, I don't know, what kind of English is that, Paul? Obviously very obvious, but... (laughs) But what, is, what has been your experience with isolation and uh, what do you think are the pain points in long-term care based on your work? Yeah, uh, I think uh, Nicole can give some perspective on this, uh, this question. Yeah, from personal experience, um, I mean, senior isolation is kind of 
of a silent killer that creeps in slowly and, and it, it hits you all at once when your day-to-day changes, suddenly mm-hmm. changes. So it, it's a lack of routine, a lack of structure, um, a lack of purpose, as you were discussing in, in episode eight. Um, you know, my grandfather, for example, was the sole breadwinner um, to a wife and 11 children. And, you know, all of a sudden he retired. His wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, you know, unfortunately, he took his own life because he was so, you know, he felt so alone and, and felt so isolated. And in a lot of these situations, it's it's internal, it's very internal, and it's very silent. And, and, you know, a lot of times, we don't know how bad it is until we ourselves experience something like that, or, or, you know, it, it, it causes irreversible, irreversible damage. And, you know, we see that a lot in long term care homes, especially and, you know, of course, we want to be able to help that but but like you said you know yes we can have phone calls with with family members and relatives but you you're you're trying to you know we can't ask these caregivers to have a video chat open eight hours a day you know you get everything that you can in 20 minutes and 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 then that's it um you know so that's what we found it's 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 a it's a it's an obvious problem as you said and there's a lot of different solutions to it than just one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul, what do you have to say to this? Because I know you have a lot of experience in this. Yeah, well, I, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. Um, and I guess you didn't mention, but probably know very well, if, if one becomes the person who has to make decisions for the other person who's there in in the end of life care, like how much how much intervention, or when is the point where you should give up on it? Uh, that's uh, well, I imagine everybody finds that as hard a position as I found it to be in. Um, yeah, and uh, I know I know in my case, um, I had. Hmm, five doctors come to me and explain to me that uh, I was making the wrong decision. I was prolonging my wife's life in a way that was painful. And um, well, the fifth person said cruel. And it was hard to get it through my head because of course that's not the moment when you're being the most rational. No. Yeah. So so I appreciate very much uh, your efforts. I'm wondering, um, you've both said things that explain in some detail your vision. Is there anything else you would say about your vision, Bill? Is there anything you, you would add about that? You probably answer. Yep. No, but I can, I can elaborate more. So our, our vision of solving this isolation problem is to create this empathy environment and culture. So that connects everyone providing care around seniors to interact, interact and connect more with the seniors, right? Because it's not the specific problems. There's not just one solution as, as, as Nicole said, right? You cannot provide the one solution that fits all this all situations. So you need to create this environment for everybody to care about the, the seniors or the residents, right? 
just because there are a lot of cases the family may have more information than the caregivers. And a lot of the, the cases we hear as caregivers usually don't know the, 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 the resident as a person. They don't know their life stories. A lot of homes, they sometimes will hear, oh my God, this, this person used to be a pilot. Oh, this, this person used to be a model. They never heard of that. Because there are actually a lot of cases actually in one of our clients or a story. There's a, there's a, a long-term uh, care resident who has like uh, dementia, who gets up at night every day, walk down the hallway to look, peek through the window, look at other residents. No one understood why. Even the doctors don't know why. They cannot explain this. Not until later, they talk to the families. They tell them he, she has been a night shift nurse for the past 30 years, right? So there's no, nothing you can explain these, 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 these behaviors. You have to relate to their personal story, yeah. right? So that's why we see that the power of care story coming as this brings everyone around this person on the same page, right? So you're, when you're providing care, then you can provide personalized care, right? So now, right now we have a lot of, a lot of our customers are using care story as, you know, some builds their profiles, like, I love to sleep more. When you come into your room, please knock like uh, silently and don't wake me up. I'll get grumpy and things like that. And this can give a lot of, you know, personalization and a lot of respect and dignity back to the seniors and residents. So that's a vision we're, we're trying to create here is to create this culture and this environment. Because you cannot, because we're not like any technical company, you are looking at one specific problem, maybe their communication. Yeah. I just introduced a communication tool, then yeah, maybe you get communication better. But how does that really solve this sort of like senior isolation problem as a whole? So mm -hmm. this is our vision. Yeah, and it, it, it's not like, Paul, what you were saying, um, you know, it's it, it's not just empathy for the residents. It's it's empathy for the family members. It's empathy for even the caregivers. So the, the situation that you were in, Paul, it, it's, you know, these caregivers, these doctors, there's so much on their plate and they see this kind of thing every single day and they're giving, you know, you their, their professional opinion. But, you know, Paul, this is your whole life. And this is the person that, you know, it, it, it is your life. It's probably the hardest decision that you've ever had to make. And to be told that what, that you, it was cruel. It, it's not, it's not empathetic in, you know, in, in my opinion. And it's just, you know, yes, we can understand where they're coming from, but, you know, caregivers, we need to be able to view this person as, you know, their own world as well and and just empathize with how difficult that decision may be and it kind of all just ties all three parties together the family the residents and the healthcare providers that's you know what we hope to accomplish yeah you know it's interesting you share this vision i personally believe your vision actually goes back to the origins of how we came up to seniors junction uh, I do research in computer science as my day job. I am a, a health tech researcher. I'm a physician, uh, public health, but now I'm in health tech research and something called Health 4.0. 
is that what I started my uh, research career and a lot of what I found through podcasting and I have another whole podcast called Helpful Points Through Podcast, which I don't record anymore. They're just they're there still, but I don't record them anymore. But it was all about empathy based product design. Right. Um, so what you're doing is basically you're giving a very fundamental element of product design. And then when you talk about value based care personalization, which is the coolest word that's in market, you are actually solving that. So. And by the way, I, my thesis has a lot of serious games for health. So yeah, we need to like, I didn't know. See, that's why I asked you your background. We need to talk separately about gamification <laughs> game elements and, 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 you know, and it's for seniors to exercise better. How can you make them exercise? So that's what I do for my research. And of course the startup, as you may know, right? When you do a startup, it has to be very ground up. It, it has to solve a problem. Even if it's not high tech, no problem. The problem should be solved, you know? So it's very different, like, uh, though we started with Health 4.0 as the vision. And of course, empathy is the, what do you call the core? Respect, empathy, trust. You can't have a company without that in senior care. Like, it just doesn't work. Um, so coming to that, what were your challenges and what were the opportunities in doing a company which is based on something intangible like empathy for most uh, businesses uh, and especially for investors who don't even like, yes, it's cool to say it, but how did you quantify? So what were your challenges? What has been your journey and what are your opportunities? Yeah, I'll talk about how, how the investor from investor's perspective, I think Nicole yeah. can talk about from the client sales perspective. So from the investor's uh, perspective, I think aging tech, we call us like aging tech, we're actually quite different from the conventional healthcare yeah. Usually, when you think about health, healthcare, it's biotech, you know, right? Yeah. Or any any devices or any medical related. It's really the aging tech, but not really device or medical related. So it's actually a small, very small proportion. Not many investors are actually have enough conviction. They call them not enough conviction at all. So they don't really have a thorough understanding of the space. They know the market is growing and people are, uh, are actually aging because. Uh, the aging population in the U.S. is doubling in the next three decades. They know it, but they just don't understand the status quo as much. So some people know that the technologies in this space really, uh, really sucks, right? Uh, like they really, the, the software we have, the application they have, the silo, they don't talk to each other, but they just don't know how you, how we can make the change. Because you know, entering this market is a little bit difficult than, than, than conventional healthcare market. Well, healthcare overall is not easy to, to, to entry, but for long-term care, it's even more difficult. Uh, from this, I think Nicole has some perspectives uh, on this. Yeah, some of the challenges that I've seen is, is that, um, you know, nursing homes, senior isolation is very important, but it, it tends not at this time it's not so much as the number top one priority um providing care is the number one priority yes you know overcoming these challenges of senior isolation is also providing care but we've seen how long-term care currently it's very understaffed it's 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 very underfunded there's very few resources and a lot of these caregivers are just trying to just you know get everything that they can completed um, for everyone that, that they have. And it, it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, it, it's really hard for staff to, to, they're very reluctant to change the status quo because, 
what if this doesn't work? What if it's going to add more? To, it, it's, ve it's, very, um, it, it's very challenging to kind of break into that. Um, and, and, and a lot of the times what I've noticed is, you know, the, the, the decision makers to implement this kind of new technology, they're not necessarily there every day on the floor. So it's, 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 um, it, it's definitely something, a work in progress for sure. Yeah, I mean, change management is one of the biggies. Uh, so my career in the first decade of my career was digital health and now it's senior housing, digital transformation. And I remember, Paul, we just had exactly this conversation today morning. We did. Exactly. We did. Like we have no what we just even, even to the point of the tangible and intangible yeah. questions and, and yeah. of the uh, resources or attention being yeah. all taken by, let's say, safety and care issues now. Yeah. So that yeah. something else is sort of considered, social connectedness is considered an extra. Yeah, but it's a default. And, uh, yeah, you know, when we know when we know that um, we know the the risks of isolation are very great for health. Yeah, and just from an IT perspective, also like which we will appreciate, right? You one is making the correct product or correct whatever prototype, or, but the other is getting it implemented, and then healthcare fails a lot, not because the tech is not good; it's because probably it was made. And the people who sat in the stakeholder analysis were not the people who were using it because they were too busy giving care, you know, you know. And then by the time it's rolled out, it's like, what the hell is this made? So we are very conscientious of all those things while we do our product development. I mean, and of course, in ours, uh, like we rather have an under tech product and a highly effective one, even if it's paper pen, because we want to make a difference. Um, I'm not saying we won't go tech ways, but. We want, and sometimes it's easier for them to write notes and, you know, because I've been in the health, I've trained a lot of community health workers and, and onboarded people in IT systems. So I have, a, so I'm using like those knowledges, like the telemedicine 1.0, now apply that in a senior uh, isolation space, you know, it's, it's so you can cross apply lessons. And definitely the leadership which makes the decision to buy is not the leadership which rolls out and it's not the day-to-day -day leadership which is influencing. So there's three, four layers of stakeholders you have to work. Yes. And then the family is the other stakeholder and the person himself, herself, himself is the other stakeholder. So there are multiple stakeholders. It's a complex leadership decision, even if it's a simple product, you know, because uh, what is empathy, right? <laughs> it, yeah. It's so cultural. Uh, you know, uh, and, and some people have a better understanding than the others, some don't, and some have a different expectation. So I think even that uh, sort of is not uh, objective enough. Because yeah. if you're from my culture, it's not just about, you don't say hello in India, you offer tea, coffee, water, you sit and chat and you go on for half an hour. You don't get cut to the chase. Um, you know, usually you would have all that and that's part of your culture of care, all that extra, Yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, uh, exactly. Not in long-term care, but in other settings. So, I think the more or less the same. Like it's ever the same everywhere, it's, especially when doing a tech like this. Yeah. Like, usually, the decision maker usually is not an user, right? Yeah. You, you you face a challenge of how you can persuade the decision yeah. makers at the same yeah. time. People are gonna use it, right? Sometimes you persuade, convince like the, the administrators or even executive yeah. directors of the home or nursing homes, but will people be on board of using the system? 
because we yeah. see a lot of cases they even purchase they're just sitting there not being used or utilized yeah yeah and i i keep saying you know canada doesn't have a skill problem it has a change management overall issue in any sector public private nonprofit yeah yeah you know and that's the standard process or procedure yeah yeah and and not to say that people who give or work in this sector don't work they're really passionate about their what they do right i have never met a nurse who you can't work in this sector like vlad said like if you're not passionate it's not a sector you work in to make money for god's sake you get a salary to pay your bills somewhat yeah. but it's a sector where you work because it's something more than what it's it has a purpose yeah. and so uh, so i think while the intentions are benevolent the execution is not always that right uh, because it's uh, optimization of resources so i think those are the challenges and 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 we as a company at least internally we want to make sure we understand that before we throw products or uh, or bunch of them i mean of course we need bare minimum products to call ourselves a company but uh, at least <laughs> we are mindful we are not going heavy on r&d and innovation in in the tech space in the immediate like it's more these these nuances because we want uh, the industry to understand that we we want to understand them and we fairly do understand them uh, you know it's all about trust and trust comes with non coercion right so it comes with open dialogue and non coercion absolutely we want to be allies to the industry and and if we're selling empathy we want to be empathetic exactly and it's not also about so maybe paul i can use that tagline in this podcast and i'll quote myself later but we've been working on what is what is seductive right when you make a game design and i think bill will talk uh, motivation inherently what does that like like this say right make it addictive but addictive is a negative word but you make it seductive yeah. and now what is a positive seduction is playful empathy if i'm being playful and i'm letting you help you letting your guard down and so that's so that's my definition of making seductive products which are game thinking oriented yeah um and you know because you can't you can't gamify or put game mechanics in every little thing it's stupid and boring like it's just don't do that like whoever's listening to it don't make products which have unnecessary points and badges and coupons and what not it's just ridiculous you know uh, if you want to make it attractive to the nurses make something which they can read enough in between going from one room to the other that's really well thought right that's exactly yeah. 30 seconds from so it's all about being in the shoes of the people even though they have to have empathy for the caregivers you have to have empathy for the nurses yeah. right and and so it's a very um, like i work in this so much with researchers uh, and with students so i really appreciate like what you're doing because it takes a lot to get it right it's it's very cool sounding but it's very difficult <laughs> like motivation yeah. because my thesis yeah. is on motivation so i know that the way we say motivation is so nuanced and there's so many theories and there's so much and i don't work in empathy but i was telling paul the next stage of my career i want to move on from motivation to uh, seduction and empathy because i feel that's a natural progression for me as a researcher so <laughs> you do things which i like <laughs> you're on the right track yeah you should go uh, yeah gamification gamification is what we we call gamification as well but you don't want to gamify it so much right like the, the kudos badges and those those things yeah. you want to actually make something actually useful tangible and make people uh, 
know by using the system, it's beneficial to them. They feel a little bit, uh, a sense of, have this little bit sense of accomplishment and have this sense of actually sharing information with others. And you know, by sharing, they can actually make an impact. And that should be a source of motivation, right? Yeah, because mm -hmm. if you gamify it too much, it did, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Some make it look professional and not in a healthcare environment. It's not suitable. Yeah, like exactly like gamification is feedback, right? Yeah. And 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 the whole purpose is to engage. So if you're giving feedback and engagement, even if it's a simple note, because let's say it's a note, just a note, like here is this person's profile, patient sixty four a likes hockey da 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 da. You put it in the format which they're comfortable, the soap format, so which which a healthcare person they would prefer that rather than something jumping out of their screen and giving a funny offer yeah. <laughs> right it's annoying and if the internet is poor and we know they have poor infrastructure in the IT side you can't really have heavy graphic and GUI based stuff coming out of the uh, yeah. products it doesn't make sense yeah. so no this is so cool I, I get to talk empathy and tech with you I like this podcast more than any listener <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what were the opportunities for you guys? Like we heard the challenges and what were the opportunities? Uh, so, so, so the opportunity here is that the aging population is doubling as I mentioned earlier, right? Doubling in the next three decades. So there will be more demands to address the new isolations. So there will be uh, bigger senior funding and bigger communities and more senior focused services, right? So this is a huge opportunity for, for aging tech to grow. So this is a the big market trend. So this is an opportunity we see here. Like, because right now I think so even the, the term senior isolation, mm -hmm. it's not, people don't know that, right? So so even the term I think will get more attention over time. And so we're all, oh, there's, I'm not sure if you've heard of home buddies, like there's already quite a volunteering services where you can actually no. Uh, to actually have connect students with seniors that can talk. There's a U of T project, right? That's what I don't know if it's U of T. I think it's a state. There's actually similar projects. There's one, there. a couple of them. Yeah, but I yeah, there's not a couple of them. But, but you see, these are awareness of senior isolations, right? Because yeah. if you talk, I think five, 10 years back, there weren't that many. But now there's more attention on senior isolation. So, so we do see a big opportunities in, in these. We will see a lot of competitors as well, but that's okay. Competitor will only make us stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had to say something. I, I did. So um, it seems there's so many parallels between us in a way. I wonder what advice you would have for a new company like ours. Call you on well, advice? Yeah, I will. I'll take it. <laughs> um, you know, I think the, the most important thing is to remain open to all aspects on how you can tackle senior isolation um, because it really is a journey and just keep networking, keep having conversations. That's where it starts, um, you know, because you learn so much, you, you gain so much, you know, public knowledge, not of caregivers, but just you know, everybody has a loved one that has aged uh, or needed long-term care. So just keep having these conversations. Um, you never know what you're going to learn. You know, keep networking in aging tech, community, keep interviewing, um, keep fighting for those who you feel, who, who feel like there is no purpose in fighting anymore. Um, you know, it's not gonna be easy, but I see both of your hearts are in this wholeheartedly. 
and yeah. we're insane you know, into we, it. So. We, need we need that. So you know, you're you're making a difference, and please just continue doing so. So thank you for for everything that you're doing. Thank you. And Bill, what do you think? What should we do? I, I'm thinking maybe you want to interview bring some seniors who's who's experienced in social like seniors. Pardon me. You should actually bring more like seniors with actually experience in senior isolations on your podcast. Yes, thank to, you. To, 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 right? to, to yep. bring that empathy and share their story with your audience. Yes, thank you. So, so, so this way people can feel more what it is, right? Yeah, you yeah. Senior isolation, what it is. You want yeah. is from the people who are actually experiencing it. Thank right? you. We do, we do have like a lineup, Paul, uh, but, but what happens is with, so it's like we have them invited, the invitations are long time gone, but it takes a long time to get them to come to record a Zoom, to practice it, then to have someone operate it. So we are working actively. There are a couple of um, amazing ladies in one of the retirement facilities in Alberta. They invented a cookbook. So invented, sorry, they made, they wrote a cook. I'm saying invented, I'm sorry. I work too much in tech. Um, they wrote a cookbook, <laughs> invented so. And uh, there are a couple of other ones we've reached out to like, you know, so it's all a matter of scheduling and getting it. But thank you for saying this because we've been thinking that too. And, um, you know, uh, Paul's nodding, yes, yes. So I think, I think we guys should just actually in, in real life meet when things open because we have far, far too much in common to record on a podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, it's difficult because I know what's everyone like savvy and they need someone to help them set up to do my everything. It's a little bit complicated. So yeah. only I make this long cash interview them in yeah. person. Pretty much easier. It's more like a conversation. Right? It's not. Really yeah, it's a, a conversation. It's yeah. a conversation. Let's chat. Because we want people to not feel alone because there's the thing, like one of our podcasts, Paul, do you remember which podcast episode was this? Uh, where you've normalized, oh, this is how I feel and this is what old age must be like, but it is not. I think um, I think it's either Charlene's or Sarah's, one of these two. Podcasts. I think it's Charlene's. Charlene's, I think, yeah. So, so it's a lot of this assumption that this is how you're supposed to feel when you're old, when it's not true. And uh, Paul and I were talking about this. And again, this goes back to our conversations with one of the, our other guests uh, about how this industry is, it remains exciting because every time someone ages, it's a different generation, right? The which generation is now, the next one is different. Uh, and I worked a lot of in my career in pregnancy in the early, early phase of my career. I was, I'm, so my master's is in mother and child health and family and community health. So I've done a lot of pregnancy related app stuff and all, and that remains the same. You're gonna get pregnant, you're gonna have nine months, you have the baby, some parts of it is different, but that's different completely. Like it's standard, it's almost a standard. If you make a product in one geography, yeah. I can say most of it, you can cross apply to another one with minute, minute variations, you know, but aging is a completely different ball game. We're talking about what does independence mean and what does connected mean in some cultures by default are more connected, but then they're still lonely because their definition of lonely means 20 people not met me this week versus some other's loneliness is really not spoken to someone for 20 days, right? So it's a, it's such a, like, it's just such a broad. So we have to, every time we work, we need to have a context. Okay, we are talking about Ontario. We're talking about within Ontario 
independent living within independent living we're talking about this like it's so nuanced so when we work it's so nuanced and it's for me it's exciting because it's all about personalization then yeah and, you know, and so that's more like using all the skills you have but but it's then it becomes complex because then when you want to scale stuff you know because isolation like people a lot of people believe right like it's not like a it's like telling all children are the same they're not every student has a different learning requirement and, and and a passion and then if you say that let's put all of them in school and they learn they won't and the same thing right every older adult has a full life of experiences expectations and preferences and to sit and actually understand them or get a way to understand them and then to offer content to engage them whether it's activity based or non activity based is a big job it's not as easy as copy pasting like okay here are five things you can do so there's a difference yeah. between passing time and i was talking about this which is you can give something to pass your time or they can some give something which you felt like oh i spent good time that's the french word right. is the bon air so how do you feel the la joie de vivre which is what the leisure part and that's where we differentiate ourselves as serious leisure versus casual leisure where you just go do something once and yes that's important too because those are the sparks but that's what helps you age better is serious leisure and how do you then offer it when your cognitive abilities decline when your physical abilities decline because because at the end of the day all of them no matter what ability they all can feel so then it goes back to product innovation do you do nostalgia based feel based so then again which modality right audio visual haptic what do you put in it so like a lot of back end tech stuff discussion happens which is so exhilarating because i never thought like this sector could offer me so much as a tech researcher or tech product innovator it's so much there's so much like i've never had to play with so many elements like it was far easier with other aging segments because usually like oh you say diabetes but if you really go down to like then go understand diabetes or whatever something like isolation it's not one thing it's one label you're putting on but because for some it's boredom for some it's loneliness right for some it is um no purpose it's so different and then if they have existing diseases or family backgrounds the manifestation of the outcomes is different so for me it's like okay how do you chunk these people how do you classify and then based on baseline classification how do you optimize delivery of services so i really appreciate like this talk with you because i'm i'm realizing you must have done all this back end work to come up with what you guys are doing right yeah we did a lot of tweaks and did a lot of highlights we need to to verify the better ideas it's a, it's not easy yeah. because we're entering a, a new industry to me it's a new industry To to fail it's not, and then there's a lot to learn, and you have to make the right. Especially when we realize a lot of technologies yeah. in this space is kind of out of date and behind, and yeah. there, you have so many complex technologies, and you're you're actually you're instill like your very complex technologies on uh, non-tech savvy people. So that's yeah. not right. So what our goal is, we're trying to bring a solution. I have very flat learning curve. It's like you don't like you don't need to learn how to use Instagram. You don't learn need to learn how to use Facebook, right? It should be as easy as that. If there's any extensive training session required, we don't think it's a good solution. Yeah, awesome. And if people want to know more about your product and find you, how can they find you? Uh, they can go to carestory.ca. We're located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, or they can. 
I reach out to Nicole, like Nicole.s at uh, carestore.ca or give give her a call, like 647-243-2981. Yeah. Yeah. happy to chat. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for everything. It's wonderful. Thank you.